0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hello! Welcome to the animal party. I hope you're ready to party hardy in a kitty cat way today because we've got Marilyn Krieger coming to the party and she's bringing good cats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's bringing cats who come, who sit, who go to you when you call them, who don't jump up on your counters, but do jump up on specially assigned, uh, specially allotted stools and chairs and places. They're cats who are clicker trained. So we're going to talk to Marilyn Krieger about that. Some of you are probably shaking your head saying, are you kidding me? You're bringing a bunch of cats to a party? (laughs) How's that going to go over? Potato chips, pretzels all over the place, streamers, messes everywhere, cats misbehaving, escaped cats, cats not listening. It's going to be bad. Well, no, it's not going to be bad because we've got cats who do listen. And we're going to be talking to the cat coach. You can look her up right now if you're online and you want to check her out. It's www.thecatcoach.com. And you'll see that she's done work with Cat Channel and the IAABC. And, um, she's been involved in Cat Writers Association, like I am. And, uh, she's come to share with you the latest, the greatest about clicker training for cats. So I can't wait to have her on the show. And welcome to the show, Marilyn. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Sounds like so fun. So it's Marilyn Krieger coming to us, and she's going to be answering cat questions for you. And in advance of this, I got some emails from listeners. And so one of the big questions people have is cats who (laughs) try to get attention in bad ways. Now, there's a whole bunch of these emails. There's ones who uh, hide out on the stairs and ambush their owners. There's ones who jump up on the counter repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, even though they never get fed there. And there's ones who actually attack ankles. So all these things are attention-getting cats. How do you use a clicker to teach a cat to behave properly? I just don't. At first, when I hear clicker and I hear cat, I think, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, but convince me. Well,
2: actually, the first thing you need to do is understand why the cat wants to be up on the counter, because you use clicker trading along with some management and some understanding of what is motivating the cat. And, and you can hear my cat in the background because he thinks I'm talking to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so cats, uh, first of all, cats climb, uh, jump up on counters for a number of reasons. Of course, food. You know, right. if you leave your lunch up there, they're going to want to check that out. But also, it's up high and cats like to be up high and they feel safe and they feel secure and they're about at your ho- level so they can talk to you. So what that means is that in order to, the cat off the counter yes we can use clicker training and we do but we also have to use a little management so clean up the dishes you know and uh, and put the food away and we'll start with that one but then the next thing you do is you make the counter off-limits so you can use something like sticky paws, which is a double-sided tape you can put it on uh, placemats and you can also put other things on the counter too but Whenever, whenever you take something away, you give the cat something better. So you want to give the cat a high place that's going to be more fun to be at, to hang out on, and that's where clicker training comes on. Now, clicker training—I, I I think that everybody maybe, maybe everybody understands what clicker training is. You probably—I
1: don't know if someone, you know what, if someone's a, a cat. Uh, lover who doesn't have any contact with dogs and isn't into dogs, they might not know. Because it's something that's been around 10, 20 maybe even years. Sometimes you buy a dog training book and it comes free with it right inside the package. And it's this little thing. It almost looks like a musical toy for a kid. It's almost the size of a kazoo usually, or smaller. And it makes a click. That's all it does. It goes
2: Yeah, I'll explain how this works.
1: And and what Mm -hmm. it
2: is, it's based on operant conditioning. And in other words, what happens is that the, uh, the cat has a positive association or the animal with the sound of the click. And it's a great way of, of communicating to an animal. It doesn't just have to be a cat. When it's doing something that is appropriate, it also, it's a fun thing. Cats enjoy it. All animals do because it's a challenging. It's challenging for them. And it connects, the whole process connects them more with their person. So, so you in your those. book,
1: I I know you talk about how the first step is food and clicker, right? So you get something the cat really wants and it's tasty for the cat, right? Click, is this right? Yep. And then you, okay, tell us how you yeah. do it.
2: Well, yes, you need something very motivating and food is a great motivator. It's not the only motivator, but it is a good motivator. And all you to start off, you want to pair the sound of the clicker with something positive. Very easy. You click and treat. That's it click and then immediately treat you wait for the cat to look back up at you before you click and treat again so it's not a real fast thing because the cat likes to uh to vacuum up the whole floor and every corner and look for every little little stray piece that may have gone that over he overlooked and then he looks back up at you and then you click and treat Okay, okay, well,
1: you know what? I, I was skeptical, right? And I read your book and then I went and took my dog clicker that I had and went over to my, because I almost wanted to disprove this. So I went over to the cat that I thought was least likely to be interested in any of this. It's not really into tricks and it's just kind of lazy. Well, okay, I put the, the, the treat that they all like. There's a special kind of treat they all like and it's really small and it's not terrible for them or anything like that. It's pretty healthy. Anyway, but they all like it. It's very coveted, and I only take it out at special times. So I opened this little bag of those things, and all the cats came running except him. I went and found him, and I I handed him one and did the click. And he looked at me like like a giant coming out of hibernation. Like he just he just kept blinking at me and blinking at me and blinking at me and I did it again and I did it again. And then he was following me when I went to do the other cats. And I'm like, Okay, okay, this is working. So it clearly worked. It makes your cat realize that you are actually worth listening to. There's a connection that can be established because they communicate with each other and the dogs in the house and all kinds of other animals, and but they rarely communicate with us the way they would like to because we're kind of behind on this. We're not as good at communication as we think we are as humans. And I think sometimes when you use something like a clicker, you, you actually get through to the cat and he's so relieved to finally get two-way communication going. So, okay, so you get the food and then what's the next step? Once they, they know that clicker means good and they know they're getting a treat when they get that sound... What's the next thing you do? Oh, you know what? We've got to go to commercial. We're so busy partying, we're forgetting about the sponsors. So we're going to go to the sponsors, and when we come back, I'm going to ask Marilyn Krieger, author of Click Your Cat to Better Behavior, to let us know what step number two is. And we'll get to your emails, too. We'll talk about some more naughty cats. All right, everybody, come back to the party right after this message from our sponsor.
0: Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. Hey, boy. How you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your lifebook page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. (coughs) No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial lifebook. (coughs) No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy. Remember her? People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life homepage. (coughs) Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. (coughs) Hey, come back here! (coughs) Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com
1: Hi, and welcome to The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm
2: your host, Colleen Safford. Each week, we'll focus on different topics child pet safety, child pet training, just how to make an appropriate pet selection for your family. All of these things will be covered in each one of our episodes. So we hope that you will join us at The Family Pet on Pet
0: Life Radio. Every week, on demand. Only on petliferadio.com. Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. with the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go.
1: Hello. You're Party! I hope you're ready to party with Marilyn Krieger, MA, Nationally Known Certified Cat Behavior Consultant, who helps resolve cat behavioral issues, but she's also got a new book out called Click Your Cat to Better Behavior, and it helps you solve some of the naughty cat problems, but it goes beyond that. It gets you to do some tricks and some games and have some fun with your cats. So here we are. We're ready to come back to the party, Marilyn. Have you topped up your drink? Are you ready to come sit down and give us a step number two? I'm ready. Okay, so step number two, our cats like the clicker and they know they're going to get food when the clicker sounds. What's step number two? Yes.
2: Now, uh, you want to make sure you have a motivated cat. So you don't do this right after you fed the cat.
1: And you okay. Also wanna or make...
2: after you bathed them and he's irritated with you. Well, you don't want to do clicker training when the cat is irritated because no, you don't want to no. reinforce those feelings.
1: Exactly. So you've got to pick a good time. When you want, maybe when you come home from work, when he's really eager for your attention, maybe, maybe the times when he used to bug you, maybe that's the time to do this.
2: Right. You never want to reinforce feelings of anxiety or stress. Uh, Good times are perhaps before you feed them. Okay. Before you feed the cat, that would be a good time to do a clicker training session. So that, so after you've paired the clicker with something positive, the next thing you do is called target training. Now, you can use a chopstick or you can use a pencil. And the goal of this is for the cat to touch the target with her nose. And what this does is it teaches you, the human, timing, but it also it, it's, it, it, tra- it starts training the cat on how to use this. So it's a, it's a process. The whole thing's a process, but this is very simple to do. All you do is you lower the chopstick until it's about, at cat nose level about an inch from the cat's nose, just as the cat reaches to touch that pencil, or t- or I should say it can also be a pencil, or a chopstick, you click. Now, you want to be careful that you don't click too late or too early, because whatever you're clicking is what you're reinforcing. So the cat reaches, touch it with her nose, and just as she touches it, you click, and then you treat her. It's always important you click and then treat. And don't do extra clicks because every click needs to be powerful and important. So then as the cat is eating the treat, you raise the target up and wait for her to finish the treat, look back up at you, and then lower the target again as you lower it, or you lower it to her nose level, and just as she touches it, you're going to click her and then treat her again. Make sense?
1: Yeah, oh, Absolutely.
2: Okay, after she does this correctly, 8 out of 10 times, then you can put the verbal on it. In other words, you can say the word touch as you're lowering the target. So you always put a verbal cue on after the cat learns the behavior. So as you're lowering the pencil, you say the word touch. Just as she touches, you click and then treat her.
1: One of the things I noticed in your book was that... You have to work much less time with a cat than I thought. Because with dogs, you work 10, 15 minutes. But I think when you're beginning with cats, maybe not when they love it and they're good at training, but at the very beginning, we're just talking about a couple of minutes, aren't we? Like you don't necessarily have to complete one of these steps, do you?
2: No, you're absolutely correct. And it has to be on the cat's time zone. In other words, if the cat doesn't feel like doing this, then that's fine. It's about choice and the cat should enjoy it. It's recommended that you do multiple short sessions with the cat, especially in the beginning. And as the cat starts to understand and starts to get into it, then you can lengthen the sessions. But at first, definitely short multiple sessions.
1: You know, when we train dogs, especially when we're doing tricks, if a dog's struggling with something or isn't getting something, we always end the session with something he can do well. Is that true with cats too? Do you go back... To something the cat finds easy so they end feeling like they're really smart and clever and they like training or is it better to just quit when the cat's had enough?
2: Neither of them. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Please cat, tell me then. <laughs> what,
1: well, sorry about that.
2: Usually when the, when the animal, when the cat isn't getting something, you have to look at what you're teaching them. Um, maybe it's too much. Maybe you need to break it into tiny little increments and and shape very small steps. So in other words, let's say you want to teach a a cat to shake hands, which you can very easily. Instead of uh, being frustrated and wanting the cat to uh, just shake hands and trying to get that, which is impossible, uh, maybe the cat shifts her weight so that her right paw is coming up a little bit. You click her and treat her for that. Maybe the next time it's up maybe a half inch more, you click and treat her. You see, so you have to break it down and see if, if there seems to be frustration and stress. Perhaps you're asking too much too quickly. Also, you have to look at well, the Well, are all cats
1: trainable? Or is, are there yeah. cats out there that just aren't into it? Or is that not true? Are they all?
2: I think they are. Uh, the secret is to find whatever rocks that cat's boat.
1: <laughs> okay, so it might be some kind of prey toy. That they love to chase, or it might be food, or it might be cuddles. If it's a real love cat that just wants to sit around all day and be, it might even be being brushed. Maybe for some of them, I, I, you Uh, know, not everybody's motivated by food, right? But you find food works the best with most of them. Um, food and affection,
2: uh, I wouldn't work okay. with play. Uh, play okay. play just doesn't seem to work uh, as well, and it's mostly because it's such an instinct-driven thing. It's yeah, I guess a, they lose pred-
1: their focus, don't they?
2: It's a, Yeah, it's a predatory behavior. So, but affection, grooming can work, affection okay. can work, and, of course, food can work. So there's, there's uh, but it is always, uh, now, also the thing, though, I mean, cats have to eat well. If they don't like treats, you can use their regular food. And a treat is a very tiny, small piece. If you feed dry food, it would maybe be a quarter to a half a piece of a kibble of a piece of uh, dry food.
1: Okay, so you're not going to make your your cat ill or nutritionally unbalanced. This is just a little bit, a little bit here and there, a little bit of training. All right, so we have to go to sponsors again, but stay tuned for the party because when we come back, I'm going to ask Marilyn... What you're going to do if you've got a cat that doesn't always use the litter box or maybe destroys things. These are problems I know you've been emailing me about. And now we've got Marilyn Krieger, the cat coach, sitting here at the party. So we may as well ask her your questions right after this word from our sponsors. Oh, and let me ask you our question of the day. Here we go. So do you think, this is our trivia question, do you think the cat or the dog brain is most similar to the human brain? Who's most like us, cats or dogs, in the brain department? The answer may surprise you, and I'll give it to you at the end of the show. So stay tuned. Come back to the party right after these sponsors.
0: Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Breathing Life Radio. .com. You're, 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 you're inside the VIP room with the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go!
1: Hello! Welcome back to the party. I hope you got your party shoes on. We're gonna be dancing with Marilyn Krieger and her wonderful clicker trained cats because we're talking about her new book and it will help you not only train your cats to do some pretty great tricks, like come and sit and shake paw and jump and do all this kind of stuff that you mostly expect dogs to do, but she's also going to help you with some of your problems. So, Marilyn, are you ready? Yep. Okay. What should someone do, and how can a clicker help them if their cat is not using the litter box properly or is going poo and pee other places, to be quite okay. Now
2: this is a little different um, because you don't want to use the clicker while the cat is in the litter box because you don't want the cat to jump out to get the treat. You want the cat to stay in the litter box. So mm-hmm. litter box, yep. So litter box issues takes a lot of management and changes, and there are many reasons why a cat doesn't won't use their litter box. Of course, the first thing you need to make sure that it's not a medical problem because there are urinary tract infections, diabetes, there's a whole host of diseases that can cause cats not to use their litter box. But if it is a behavior problem, there are some basic litter box rules that, for instance, large uncovered boxes should be used and they should be located in areas the cats can see the whole room and out the door that they won't feel cornered you need enough boxes you need to make sure they're cleaned. all sorts of things like that also too and and you know we can really go into it there's many many triggers and reasons why cats don't use the boxes you want to use uh... do a really good cleanup with a great enzyme cleaner now the way though you would use clicker training is simply that you you would change a couple ways you would change the association that the cat has with the area that the cat is targeted so in other words if the cat is urinating in the corner somewhere, you would uh, play with the cat in that area. You would clicker train the cat in that area. It builds the confidence of the cat and refocuses the cat away. So insecure, stressed cats have, can, uh, that is one reason for cats to not use their boxes. So if you have a cat that's feeling insecure, you can help the cat feel more confident and bonded with you Through clicker training so you'd get rid of the reason that the cat is uh, not using the
1: litter box. One of the things you said, oh, totally, and one of the things you said, I just want to elaborate for people listening, when you said enough litter boxes. I see this a lot with some of my customers and myself. I have I think it's seven now, rescue cats. And whenever a new one comes, there's some issues. And I always have to add more litter boxes. People are always surprised at how many litter boxes I have. Now, I don't have cat accidents and cat damage. I have really well-behaved cats. But I think a lot of times with dogs, they're really interested in food. They have battles over food and food dishes, even empty food dishes. Cats don't tend to fight over food, but they will intimidate each other out of the litter box. So if you have three cats and only two litter boxes, that means... One of your cats can be a bully and position himself in such a way that the weakling cat or the new cat or the cat who's being picked on can't go to the bathroom. And that's terrible for that cat. It's going to get constipated or sick or have to go somewhere inappropriate. So you need enough boxes spaced widely enough that nobody can, you know, if everybody has to go at the same time, they've all got a place to go, and nobody can stand there intimidating everybody else. (laughs) So I think that's important. If you've got five cats, you probably need five boxes, not two, like so many people have. You want to
2: make sure they're in different areas of the house. They're not in closets or bathrooms, because a a cat can feel cornered or can be ambushed, Uh, in a closet or in a bathroom, Uh, cats are vulnerable when they go to the bathroom. It's a perfect time for another predator to pick them off. And what you are describing, Deborah, is called resource guarding. When another animal, another cat, dogs will do this too, will lie in front of the hall in the Mm -hmm. front of the box and the other cat won't dare walk by them to use the box. So, okay, we'll go on the couch instead.
1: And I think sometimes the bully cat gets away with it because cat body language is very different and peoples and dogs. When a cat is lying on its side, it looks like it's lounging. That would be you or I relax, lying on our side. But if all four paws are pointed in the direction of the cat who needs to use the bathroom, who would be entering that room and coming over to the litter box, and this reclining cat is lying maybe two feet away from the litter box, Maybe not directly in front of it or blocking the path directly, but in a perfect army way, 45 degree angle off to the side so he can see it at all times and he can see the doorway at all times. Now the cat who has to go to the bathroom has to run this gauntlet of fear by this guy whose four paws are facing him, even though it's on its side. Those four paws, those are the 20 claws. That's the main weaponry. So that cat isn't reclining. It's armed. It's waiting. It's ambushing. And that little guy in the hallway has got, got to go somewhere. So <laughs> get another litter box. <laughs> I think that's the best advice. All right. So for clicker training, if people have more problems and they're listening today and they think, oh, yeah, okay, but my cat shreds the curtains or my cat attacks me at nighttime or my cat won't accept new people or guests. If they've got problems like that, is there a way they can get advice from you directly?
2: Absolutely. They can uh, either email me or they can phone me. Let me give you my email address. Email is marilyn at thecatcoach.com. You can find this also on my website, which is thecatcoach.com. There's, my phone number is on there, too, and I suppose I shouldn't put it on the podcast. Get it off. No, 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 no. Don't do
1: that. <laughs> OK. No. We'll it's just on do the that. Internet.
2: It's my business phone. It's my business phone. <laughs>
1: So what yeah. did you do with Cat Channel?
2: Oh, uh, well, I write their weekly columns. People ask me questions every week, and I choose one out of many every week and write the answer to the question. I also write for the magazine, Cat Fancy Magazine. Uh, I'm their behaviorist and answers a behavior, two behavior questions a month, and that is in the Cat Fancy Magazine.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Okay. So you guys, if you've got cat questions, that cat coach, this is who you want to ask them to. This is who you want to get your answers from because picking up this book will really help you. It'll help you get rid of some of these stubborn problems. But it'll also help you move past that and have some fun with your cats. And I know people are probably out there shaking their heads and saying, you know, not my cat, okay? Like, (laughs) my cat just wants to eat and sleep. He's not interested in this. But that's not true, is it? I I think an aloof cat is just because the people haven't tried hard enough or interacted enough. I I don't know. I mean, I've had so many cats over my life and always in multiples. And I just don't see problem eaters and I don't see... I just don't see these problems that so many people have so I wonder what do you think is it true that there are cats out there that just aren't interested in people and aren't interested in interacting or are they have they given up on us? Are they bored?
2: <laughs> well, bore, being bored is another thing you want to make sure there's enough environmental enrichment for the cat but you can, uh, there are cats that are for whatever reason their history a little more shyer than other cats and you can socialize them you can bring them around Food and treats is a great motivator. And yes, guess what? Cloak trainer will work for this too.
1: Okay. So do you um, support trap, neuter, and release programs? I know that it's pretty political, and there's bird people, conservationists, who believe that no cat should ever be outside, and any feral population should be exterminated. And often there's some self-interest there. There's overlap between the companies who would get money for exterminating the cats and these lobbyists, but not always. And then there's many, many people in the cat world, like myself, who believe that trap, neuter, and release is a good plan, and it's workable, and it's working, um, and that's where wild cats are trapped, and they're sterilized, so they can't make babies, and then they're re-released to the exact area they were found, so they secure the territory, so no mo- new cats move in, and their population doesn't get out of whack. How do you feel about all this? What's, what's oh, your I'm opinion? Oh, totally,
2: i totally, I very much support trap, neuter, release, or as you call it, TNR, absolutely, um, yeah, and it's, it's a, a great way of controlling the, the wildcat population and yet not getting rid of them, I mean, not exterminating them. There are many colonies around where I live, and there are groups that take care of them. And not only do they feed them, but they monitor them. And if the cats need to be taken to the vet, they, they trap them and take them to the vet and make sure they're, they're healthy and up to date on the shots and re-release them. I think
1: it's a great idea. After Recently in New Jersey, it got very political and, um, they were trying to pass a law and, and the SPCA got involved to try and negate it and to declare that, you know, <laughs> Oh, it's just terrible! Very, very political there, and they are trying to have it so that all the all the outdoor cats are exterminated. And um, I'm I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen in the end. But it's really heated, and um, the people who are arguing against it are saying things like, "Well, you know, cats aren't native to North America, so they shouldn't be here, and the birds can't survive." And I think a lot of times we blame one species for our damage. We damage something so badly, like the ocean, and then we, you know, the fisheries, and then we want to kill all the seals to somehow recover it. It's, it's like we're, we're blind to the fact that it's pesticides and, and temperature change and things like this that are damaging the birds, but but what do you say to these people who say, you know, we can't have any cat colonies anywhere? Uh,
2: I don't think very much, very highly of them. I'm, <laughs>
1: I don't support that. I, as I said, I'm very much into trap, neuter, release. Well, one of the things I like to compare it to is the wolves in Yosemite. And when the wolves were taken away, and all, all through the U.S., when they were hunted to extermination and taken away, the ranchers and the farmers and the hunters were relieved because they had no wolves to compete with. And their their cows and their animals had, you know, more babies and were more relaxed and more docile, easy to herd with dogs. And the babies grew up better and all the results of wolf predator factor were gone and so they were happier but in the meantime the trees suffered because the elk and the deer got crazy proportions of moose and they were just eating things like crazy and so all kinds of species specific species of trees were all but wiped out only the adults no more new new growth and then all these species that relied on those and then predators like coyotes and mountain lions got totally out of whack because only the wolves were removed and they started to change where they lived so the wolves were reintroduced and of course the ranchers the hunters of Farmers are not happy because it's back to the old, same old, same old with the effects. But at the same time, the mountain lions hightailed it back to the mountains, stopped preying in the valley. And the coyotes are all but reduced to a small, small population. So, I mean, sometimes things have to be the way they are. And I think now that we've made these impacts and made these changes, I think of all the birds we brought over and released, all the songbirds and things that are here that wouldn't have been, and all the migration that's going on that wouldn't have been if we hadn't changed the planet so much. I think now the cat is actually securing that territory and making it so we're not having other uh, animals inhabit it. There's a density thing, and it won't just stay empty. So I think people are, they like to see things in such a, it's such an unworkable view. So I'm glad to hear you support Trap, Neuter, and Release. Now, one more high topic, since you're, since you're out there with Cat Fancy and Cat Channel, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, so I'm going to ask you, what do you think about declawing? Is it something oh, you're wow. for or against...
2: Yeah, I'm very against declawing um, for a couple of reasons, for more than a couple of reasons. First of all, I have to say that it's very easy to train cats not to scratch your furniture. Very easy. There's no reason to declaw a cat uh, for that anyway. There's, it's just not needed. Also, as a behaviorist, I see many, many cases of cats without claws that have been declawed, and the behavior problems are inappropriate elimination and aggression. The reason why is that the cats don't have their defenses, even if they're not going to use them. They're not even there to fall back on, and so they resort to other behaviors for survival, and they don't feel secure. They feel stressed. So I am uh, very much opposed to declawing. It's also very painful for a cat, too.
1: Well, there's a movement going on now, and it's hitting Canada. In one province, uh, New Brunswick, if you're a veterinarian and you declaw a cat or you perform any, what they call, cosmetic surgery on any pet, you can't keep your insurance and you can't practice there anymore. So nobody's getting cropped and nobody's getting docked. Dobies are getting long ears and, and let, if you're a show person and you want to get those procedures, you actually have to drive somewhere else. You can't do it there. And wow. um, So that's going on there. And now, I just found out, there's a news article here in front of me about Vancouver Island, which is a huge area there's only one vet left on the whole island doing cosmetic procedures. Nobody else will do it. So there's some peer pressure, but also they just say that the young vets just don't... I'll give you um, some of the quotes here. It's amazing. I'm so happy to read this stuff, you know? Um, okay, so so Langelier, this is the vet who's been quoted, um, Nanaimo veterinarian Ken Langelier. He says um, he can't think of a single person who would want to cut off a part of their ear or spine in the name of vanity. Now, he's talking about cropping and tail docking and dogs and um, he says he just you know there's only one clinic left on the whole island that's doing it and um he describes all the procedures and the ages they're done and this kind of thing and why it's just, he just doesn't think it's ethical at all. And people have argued that it's not the veterinarian's place to decide. And I would argue it's exactly the veterinarian's place to decide what is ethical surgery and what is not ethical surgery. But the point of decline is it's not a manicure. I think people think if it's done with a laser or some fancy new term that it won't hurt and that it's just like, you know, something cosmetic, but it's actually removing the joint. Can you explain that to people a little bit so they understand just how bad decline is yeah, for your cat?
2: It's very painful. There are a few ways that they do this, and one is by removing a joint from each toe. Very, very painful. There are laser procedures, too, and, and um, the very uh <laughs> A very painful. It's extremely painful. And I think there's even a tendonectomy where they cut the tendons. And what happens is Ugh. they can't retract, uh, retract or extend their claws. And so then they're just hanging there and can stick in things. Very, very bad. No reason to do that.
1: It reminds me of Chinese foot binding, where the feet were broken yeah. and reset to... Uh, you know, And then the women forever hobbled, had pain with every step, were never able to be as functional. And that's what it's like for these cats. You know, I'm, If it worked, you'd never see declawed cats in shelters when actually they're way overrepresented. Because whatever problem that made them get the, the cat declawed, they didn't fix the problem. They just crippled the cat and caused him more issues. So the cat now not only doesn't want to use the litter box, but it hurts him getting in and out now. You know, there's, he has no grip now. He used to be anxious and nervous. Well, now he's really anxious and nervous because he knows he can't get away from anything, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, and he can't even get relief from a cat scratch. So, I really think people don't declaw your cat. If you're thinking to yourself, I've got to declaw this cat or give it up, I think you're better off to find it a home now with its claws because you're going to end up giving it up anyway, probably. Cats mess. Sometimes they have diarrhea. Sometimes they have little vomit. Sometimes they make a mess. Sometimes they shed. If you can't handle that, decline your cat is not going to make a difference. And if you don't want to put the time into playing with it and teaching it things and having a cat scratch and training it and picking up books like this book by Marilyn Krieger or sending her off some emails to get the answers to your problems, then really save the cat now. Don't Don't cripple it and then give it up later. So, I just wonder if you have anything more to add on that, Marilyn.
2: Well, I do. Let me just say real fast about how you do stop a cat from clawing the furniture. You need to know cats have to scratch. Even if they're declawed, they scratch because they're marking their territory. They have scent glands on the bottom of their paws, which um, have, uh, when, whenever they scratch, they distribute a little scent on whatever they're scratching. But what you do, again, you block off the area that's being scratched and then right in front of that area you put a nice tall scratching post or you put it on the floor, you put a a horizontal one on the floor and you can use clicker training for this so when the cat is scratching the post you're going to reward and reinforce and that's the important thing, you reinforce with a click and then a little treat. And And do you use
1: catnip? Do you put catnip on these? Um,
2: well, you can, you can. Okay. Um, know that one third of all the cats in the whole world do not respond to catnip. So, yeah, and you
1: know what, people, if your cat doesn't respond, it's not because he's hung up or uptight. It's genetic. He can't help it. It's just something his body doesn't react to. So don't get bummed out at your cat if he's not responsive to catnip. So,
2: yeah. So it's, so it's very easy to train the cat to scratch the right furniture.
1: So when you talk about a cat scratch, in, in my experience here with all my rescue cats, I've found that the cardboard ones don't work, that I need something really tall, taller than the average, not two feet, but actually three or four feet if I can. Usually I make them myself or I pick them up at garage sales and use places and I just make sure I clean them really well and spray them really well before I bring them into the house so I'm not bringing in fleas or anything else. But the tall ones are better because I think the cats have to fully, fully stretch to use them. And then variety is good. If you can find one that has some parallel surfaces and some vertical surfaces and some horizontal surfaces, that kind of thing. But I also think you have to make sure it's very sturdy, because if the cat is using it and it topples or it scares him, he's not going back. So make sure it's a really good one.
2: You want to make sure that you... Some cats do like the cardboard ones. Do it they? Depends on okay. the cat. The sisal, a lot of them, the sisal is a really good one. You know, it's kind of a rope type of uh, texture. You do want to try to get something that's a different texture than your carpet. Right. (laughs) Or your sofa, so that uh, you know the cat thinks, okay, I can scratch this surface. Why not the sofa? That's exactly the same fabric, so that's something to look at too. And yes, you know, I haven't
1: do... had that problem. I have all my cat scratches have some bits of rope and some bits of carpet on them, the way they're designed, and I've not had the problem of them transferring it to the other carpets. But I do scent them. You know, they they're really scented. These with like I put catnip all over them, and then right away the cats are on them, so they smell like other cats, and maybe it helps that except. For one, they've all come used. So they probably come already marked, already initiated, and maybe that's a good thing. All right, so is there anything else you'd like to add? Because the party's think... almost over, but I want to make yeah. sure people know all the things you want them to know.
2: No, I can't think of anything else. I think we've covered just about uh, everything for now, anyway.
1: You know what? We didn't talk about door bolting. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, that's door doors. Well, lots of people out there have cats who they want to keep indoors, and I know your advice to people is keep cats indoors. Pet cats should be kept indoors. I know that's that's uh, that's something you advocate. So, but what about the cats who run and dart right out the door the second it's open when company comes? What can you do for that?
2: Well, a lot. Again, we go back to clicker training, and through clicker training, you can teach a cat to stay and to sit, and that it's more fun and and has there's more uh, rewards for staying in one place than for door guarding. You Also, they'll have to look at your environment and make sure there's enough stuff for the cat to do that it's really interesting for them so that there's no reason for the cat to go outside.
1: So, if people are listening and they're thinking, this is too much work, I don't want to spend that much time with my cat, does it help to get another cat? Is that something they could do? You know, that's a very good
2: question, and it depends on the cat. And yeah, you know, some cats are great with other cats, Others rather be the king or queen of their own home and not have any other animal because that's the way it's been for the last 12 years. But many cats enjoy the company of other cats. If you are getting another cat, you do want to make sure that you kind of match in age. In other words, if you have a senior, if you have a 14-year-old cat, don't get a kitten. Right. it's, uh, you know, an adult that, that doesn't have excessive energy. So and you want to look at stuff like that and also look at the personality of your cat, too. If you know your cat is very aggressive, you may not want to think about getting another cat if it, it seems to be aggressive towards other cats. So it's going to depend on your cat. If you have a kitten, that's extremely playful. And then, yes, I would consider getting another kitten, and a buddy. And they do they do enjoy each other's company and don't want to just leave them alone all day for 10 hours a day without anything to do or anybody to talk to so buddy can be very very good for them but you got to make sure that you introduce them very gradually to each other.
1: Well, at first I would put them in separate rooms, not even let them be together for a week or two. Yeah. And yeah, then slowly, start. slowly and only when I'm home and carefully and kind of switch things. Like put my some clothes in one room, towels or something and then switch them so they each get the smell of the other and things like this. And probably there's, I bet you if they look at Cat Fancy and they go to Cat Channel and they go to the com, they're going to find all kinds of information on how to introduce yeah, cats. You nice. can also look at campgooddog.com if you want to hear some of the things, if you want to read some of the things I've written on the subject. But, well, our trivia question today, I should solve it. The answer is the brain that is most like the human is the cat. And recent studies have shown that a cat is a lot like a person with bipolar disorder, and they 're trying to figure out how that all is and how that all <laughs> works out in the end but they 've discovered that that is um, that the mood changes like when a cat gets angry and it can't calm down. And there's some very similar things that they've discovered in the labs that um, may help them with research on bipolar people. But cat brains and human brains are pretty similar, and dog brains are not. So that's the answer to our trivia question. Now, before we wrap up today, I just want to say a word on Mordecai Siegel, who is a cat author, a cat mentor to many. And I often tried to have him on my shows, I've called him probably once a year for the last few years and when I called him, he would always say yes but then never give me a time or a date and he was struggling very much with his health and was worried that he couldn't, he couldn't breathe well enough to speak for long enough to do a full show. And I kept hoping he would get better and that I could have him on my show. And in the meantime, each time I talked to him, he would keep me on the phone for almost as long as the show would be, just chatting about cats and dogs and animals and people. <laughs> and he was so delightful. So I just wanted to say that he's going to be greatly missed by many, many, many cat riders. If there's anything Any you want to add to that to Marilyn, yes, absolutely, and dog riders too.
2: Oh, yeah, he's a wonderful, really quite a wonderful man. I, I He was my, uh, when I joined Cat Riders, he's the person that welcomed me into the, into the group. Very nice man. Yeah, it's really a tragedy. It's very sad that we've lost him.
1: I think he was the president when I joined. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. Yeah. I was always surprised at how informal and friendly and chatty and supportive he was whenever I contacted him for anything. He's just so easy to talk with and so helpful. So I know there's a lot of people out there now, people who write about cats and dogs, who will miss him deeply. And um well, thank you very much for coming on the show and being part of the party, Marilyn. I only wish that Mordecai could have been part of this party. But uh yeah, well, I know he was at a lot of parties, a lot of dog and cat parties for years and years and years and years. So, yep. Yeah. Thank you, Mordecai. And thank you, Marilyn. Thank you for coming on the show. And everybody out there, you got to check out her book. You got to check out her website. Click your cat to better behavior, catchannel.com, and the cat coach. Okay, Marilyn, thank you. Thank you. Well, everybody, the party's over. We found out that cat brains and human brains are have a lot in common. And we'll miss Mordecai Siegel deeply. But we want to thank Marilyn Krieger for coming to the party and helping us all with our naughty cats and our happy cats. We've got tricks to teach them. We've got things to do with them now. So let's show our dog-owning friends that our cats can do things, too. Next time you have someone, one of your dog-loving friends, who's always showing you pictures of their border collie, the medals they've won and the, the agility and the things they do at the playground and you just want to show him one thing and he's fond of telling you how there's no such thing as a seeing eye cat and you're just tired of it well teach your cat something teach your cat to walk through your legs on command or sit down and high five teach your cat to do that yeah that'll shut up your, your cat hating friends alright everybody we'll see you at the next party in the meantime be good to your animals it's Dev Wolf And you've just been to the animal party.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.